0: Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, and also find us at Podcast One, brought your way in part by Ernie's on Gull, an experience uh, dining on the shores of Gull Lake, open year-round at 11, and, of course, that deck opening up hopefully before too long. Right, Chris?
1: <laughs> Can't wait for that, Mac.
0: Yeah, it's a great place to just sit and enjoy enjoy northern Minnesota, that's for sure. Uh, yes, it is. Sitting by the water, uh, Heritage, uh, great tournament, uh, very popular winner with the fans, and a guy that uh, almost uh, almost gave the tournament back, like he has done a few times in recent years. Used to never do that, but but uh, Jordan Speeth gets the win over Patrick Cantlay.
1: Yeah, Cash Speeth had uh, one of the one of his best performances ever, green to tee, third best ever. Uh, and was, you know, picked up, I think 12 shots on the field off, uh, off the, his stroke game off the tee, but he was, uh, lost almost 12 shots for the tournament on the putting green. So we'll be able to talk to Peter Sanders later in the show about that, but, uh, it really played exceptionally well tee to green. But, uh, again, like he has for, you know, really the past couple of years, his putting has, has just been, uh, been miserable
0: and he was one of the all-time greats you've talked about the uh, the year he had when he really broke through he was uh, setting all-time PGA records.
1: Yeah, it was one of the best best uh had one of the best putting years in in the history of the PGA Tour especially since they've been keeping stroke gain statistics back in the the mid 90s so it's uh uh it, it's interesting. He definitely uh definitely has the yips and um I, I watched he and Cameron McCormick on the, on the practice screen at the Masters for quite some time, and I was, um, yeah, you could definitely pick that up in his stroke there. Uh, they didn't seem to be addressing that, but uh, what, what, I found, what I find really interesting is, you know, his, when he was putting very well, he, uh, he looked at the hole on the short putts, yeah. anything inside of about 15 feet and he had he hasn't been looking at the whole um you know this season at all and i if i recall right not last season either and uh and one of the things you see in his in his stroke in his forward stroke his his head and eyes significantly shift position and um you know when he does that that's that's when he misses those short putts it, it affects the path of his putter so much so um it's interesting that uh, they don't seem to be addressing that, uh, but yeah, um, you know, you, it's hard to ever second guess an instructor or a player unless you know what, truly what they're working on.
0: Right. Yeah, might have been working on it for a year and give it a rest. <laughs>
1: right. Right.
0: <laughs> Patrick Cantley, he just uh, shows up every week. It seems like he's in the top five every time he plays. Um, so that's a. Uh, Spieth got a little bit luckier on the uh, the lay in the bunker on the on the last hole, and Cantley was kind of stymied, so Spieth was able to pull out the win.
1: Yeah Cantley kind of came in uh, back door to get in the playoff uh, played played very well shot sixty eight, but uh, both of them didn't have really good approach shots on uh, on the first playoff hole, and Spieth, uh hit a great sand shot, and Cantlay didn't hit quite as good a shot, and uh, that was the game-set-and-match.
0: Yeah, yeah. A couple guys uh, were right there. Lowry looked like maybe he had the tournament in his grasp and uh, made a kind of a... Uh, looks like a silly mistake. It's an easy mistake, I'm sure, on a golf course like that, but chipped across the green and rolled into the pond, and uh, that was the double bogey that cost him the tournament. Yeah,
1: on 14, he makes the double, and then... Uh, played reasonably well coming to the restway and but that was kind of, that kind of took the wind out of his sails, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah, and a pretty popular player that I think people would like to see break through. Harold Varner was right there all th- all four days, and uh, just couldn't get it going too much on. He didn't play really poorly, but he just didn't make many birdies on Sunday.
1: Yeah, Sunday he uh, he had played so well the the first three rounds, and then Sunday just sh- he shoots one under par and. Uh, just couldn't seem to quite get anything going uh, throughout the round. He didn't it wasn't that he played bad, he just didn't uh, didn't didn't capitalize on any opportunities he had.
0: Couple special guests today, uh, Jeremy Millsop from the Brandon Dispatch will be with us and uh, you and Jeremy can talk about kind of the high school talent in the state and around the area that's coming up and your old friend Peter Saunders, Chris. Sanders, I should yeah, say. Yeah, looking
1: forward to looking forward to talking to Peter about uh, you know some of the early season PGA Tour play, and hopefully he can help us a little with with our games going into the season here.
0: There you go. You're listening to Lakes, Woods & Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods & Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and also available at Podcast One. Thanks in part to Craigins, home of the CRMC Classic in 2022, and Mills Auto, your hometown dealer since 1922. Chris, special guest we've got. He's actually in studio here, and you are on location.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, want to, welcome to the show. Uh, and actually, we haven't had a guest in studio in quite some time. So I know. So an epic moment, man. <laughs> but... Uh, I want to welcome to the show the sports editor of the brainer dispatch who does such a great job of covering high school sports in the Brainerd lakes area jeremy Millsop. jeremy thanks for coming in studio
2: oh my pleasure I, uh, this is usually an annual thing so uh, i'm glad to be back and glad to be talking sports
0: yeah we're sneaking toward uh, sneaking toward golf with you here
1: as uh, as we speak, Jeremy, I'm looking out out my office window here at it snowing. <laughs> uh, but it, I I think when when the show airs, we're supposed to have about a 70 degree day. So hopefully uh, hopefully things are on the uh, on the upswing for spring golf in uh, in the Brainerd Lakes area.
2: Oh, I'll take spring sports. Period. Uh, it's been a really slow spring for for everything. So. Uh... Uh, not much for me to, to, to write about or do, so uh, I'm glad you guys have me here talking sports. Otherwise, i would be just eating food all day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. a long, wintering well, I guess, right?
2: <laughs> exactly, yes.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the golf courses are sure uh, ex- I'm really kind of excited. I've talked to several of the uh, different pros, and if, if they can get a 65, 70-degree day and rain, that's really exactly what they're looking for.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, Chris. In years past, I know. Uh, I mean, obviously, courses have been open a lot sooner than than obviously this year. But uh, do you, from from a golf course standpoint, do you worry that uh, there there always just seems to be that momentum coming off of Masters Week, and with not having courses open, uh, is there some concern that the the enthusiasm might not be there this this year with golf?
1: Well, I I, I don't. You know, golf is so hot right now. Uh, you know everything the golf. You hate to say it, but COVID has been so good for golf. <laughs> yes, uh,
2: it has.
1: So, so uh, from a personal standpoint, I I'm not concerned about participation. Go, you know, going into the year, but I will say, years that we get off to a you know an early April start tend to be much better years than when we get a, off to a you know late April start. And if you if you look historically uh what we're going through is not all that unusual it's just that you know last year we were out uh gosh Easter weekend was a fabulous weekend and uh there was a lot of golf being played Easter weekend last year and we were we were pretty close to being open you know right around April first so it uh uh it's just been such a hard winter that uh everybody's really pent up and and ready to get going for the year
2: here's a here's a trip down memory lane for uh for Colin and myself, uh, 2013, the first baseball game, April 29th.
0: April 29. Oh, <laughs> yep. well, was that probably that year when we got like 10 inches of snow one yep. day in late April? Yeah. Yep. Oh,
2: man. Yep. So this isn't, it, it could be worse, that's all I'll say. It could, <laughs> it, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, in nine days we'll talk again. Hopefully <laughs> it won't be.
2: <laughs>
1: I uh, I never count on anything until May 1st, but boy, it's discouraging when it's like this. <laughs>
0: You guys, the high school uh, high school uh, you guys are Chris have a passion for young golfers and uh, Jeremy, you do such a great job of, uh, of writing about the youth golf scene in the area so I'll let you guys kind of talk about what the
2: uh, season might bring to the area. Yeah um, you, we can start with the with Braider Boys and girls. Uh, the Braider Boys team it's going to be a, a lot different. They're gonna, there's a lot of new names, a lot of new faces and a lot of unknowns for that team. Um, for the first time in six years, there's no Eric Stockson on, on the roster, and he was okay. just he was just so he was Mr. Consistency for all six years. Um, you do have some people coming back, and and uh, Mr. Person, uh, Dawson Ringler, good player too, um, coming up. Um, so there's 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 a few things you can kind of put your hat on, but for the most part, that roster is really unknown. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm guessing Chris knows some of these up young and up and coming guys though.
1: Yeah, you know, there, there's not a lot of varsity experience going into the season, but I'll tell you, there, there's some really good young players and some players that have spent a lot of time working on their game over the winter. So, um, yeah, I think while while they don't have a lot of high school experience, uh, a lot of those kids do have some, some nice tournament experience playing summer events and stuff. So I, um, I, I, I'm very optimistic about... Uh, how the Brainer boys are going to play this spring.
2: And they've been, you know, they've been very consistent over the years. So they're just there's it's a good program. You guys obviously do a good job getting these guys ready for the season and uh, getting them, you know, working on their game like you said all summer long. So um, it's 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 a, it's a program. It's not just year to year to year you're hoping, but uh, it just seems to be consistently a good program.
1: Yeah, I would agree and you know the the level of play in the, the Brainer lakes area over the last 10, 12 years has been among the high school players is, is really high, and as well as you know, statewide, it's uh, you know I'd put our best high school players up against any player, any high school players in the country. So,
2: I was going to ask you uh, last year's Class Three A state tournament. They were shooting some phenomenal scores. The I mean, final mm-hmm. day, there was a sixty-six, a sixty-five. Um, are, are these kids getting too good? Do we need to toughen up the courses for the state tournament? <laughs>
1: You know, the the kids are just that much better. Um, you know, they're all these all these top kids are working on their game year round. Um, they're doing all the things you need to do to get better, and the, and they're so much stronger. You know, the the kids are, you know, they're taking the lead of of the PGA Tour and and the high level college programs where they're, you know, they're doing golf specific workouts. They've all got good coaches that. You know they um, uh, they all play summer golf. They, you know they're playing they're they're playing a lot of tournament golf, and uh, it's just it's just raised the bar and and raised the level of play so much. And you know if you if you look at Minnesota kids graduating um, and going on to play college golf, we're in the we're in the top. You know, um, if you took all the states, we're we're in the top twenty percent of states. Uh, where kids are graduating and going to play college golf, whether it's here in the state or or out of state, so it, it's fun to see.
2: Even in our own little area, a lot of our smaller schools they don't really you know go to big, huge events like done. Like Brainerd's got one done in Blaine here this year, which is going to be really exciting. But uh, for the most part, our smaller area schools they just kind of beat up on each other, and it's it's cutthroat. Yeah. These guys they it's a battle. I mean, last year we had two really good players that kind of you know kind of distance themselves from the pack in Beck Airholtz who's now at NDSU and Taylor Sheely who's going to go to SDSU next year. Um, yeah. But week in week out these guys are they're, they're battling for for their conference all conference, you know, recognition, conference titles and it's it's fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it is fun to watch. Yeah, the, the, those those two had some great battles last year and <laughs> uh, uh, I I think at the end of the day they ended up about uh, you know 50/50 on on who who won each meet so um, it's fun to see when you get some you get some good kids like that who are passionate about it and work hard on it and they, they drive each other
2: yeah and on the if we move over to the girls side the Braider girls uh, they returned five players from last year's team and last year's team was phenomenal unfortunately they lost one of their best players who graduated Anna a Krieger but uh, they returned so much talent so much um, dedication to the sport and uh, it's, it's going to be a, a successful year for the girls, I think. Um, I, I don't know how successful, because they have to play maybe the best team in the state, Alexandria, in their conference and in their section, but uh, Brainerd girls are going to be pretty exciting this year.
1: They're going to be very exciting, and I'll, I'll say, Jeremy, for the, the best Brainerd teams are yet to come, uh, there's a, a group of young girls who uh, are really going to be good players, and um, so, you know, we've got some, some young girls on the team, uh, Maddie Holmstrom and Carly Dunham and Libby Lake and, uh, uh, you know, a few other girls that, uh, again, they're, they're working hard on their games year round. Uh, they can all really hit it. And it's, uh, I, you know, it's going to be hard to beat Alexandria this year. Uh, but if you look at last year, you know, Alexandria returns everybody um we're we're gonna be equally as good uh I think this year as we were last year and hopefully uh you know hopefully throw Alexander some competition
2: I think so and those girls that you mentioned they're all freshmen which is scary and right. uh, and then there's a couple yeah. more freshmen too I know I know Brainerd head coach Todd person is really excited for that group and and, and we'll see if that comes to fruition I hope it does because uh, I was actually at the uh the first and only state, Girls' title for Brainerd back in 1999. That was my first state tournament I ever covered. So
0: you were like 15 then, weren't <laughs> pretty you?
2: much. I was, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> so it's been a while since Brainerd's, uh, Obviously, they went to state a couple years ago, but it's been a while since they've won state. So,
1: yeah, well, I think uh, I think that could happen in the next, you know, if not this year, in the next few years. And uh, I'll tell you one thing: the one thing that amazes me about the, that team, if you took our top six players right now. Uh, and you took the average driving distance of the top six. Um, I don't know that there's a team in the state could that could hit it farther than these girls. And that that length in all any at any level of golf, length is is a you know a huge asset. But in girls high school golf, girls that can hit it a long way have a huge advantage. You know, they're not playing overly long golf courses and. Uh, the average high school girl doesn't doesn't hit it very far, and these girls are are really long. Uh, so it's it's uh, the, the the potential is definitely
2: there. You, you mentioned that some of the the best players that have come out of the lakes area. I, I'm thinking Sydney Hasselberg and and Maggie. Uh, um, help me with her last name from Pequot um, Hagerston. Hagerston They could they could yeah. bomb it, and they were and it yeah. showed at the state tournament. They were really competitive, down in the in, against the top level competition. One of the amazing
0: yeah, things sure. about seeing them on the range is uh, you wouldn't say they're behemoths, Chris, but, man, can they hit it out there no. a long ways.
1: <laughs> no, they're all uh, – none of them are huge girls, but they're, uh, they're, they're some exceptional athletes on the team.
2: Yeah, well, your daughter, I mean, doesn't she have to put rocks in her pocket so the wind doesn't blow her away? <laughs> she's pretty She's pretty petite.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think she weighs in at about 100 pounds. But, uh, yeah, she's uh, – she for her size to or you know size to pound ratio, she hits it as long as
0: anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah, they need that stat, like in boxing, you know, pound for pound, the longest driver on tour, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going, you know, looking at the area for girls golf, uh, Pequot girls, they were fifth last year in state, and I think they returned most of their roster. I know a couple graduated, but uh, their best player, Morgan Krieger, who was Anna's younger sister. um she finished ninth in the state tournament, and uh, I, I think Pequot girls are going to be tough in that section. I think they should make it through um, another good program. They've they got a few state titles under their belt.
0: Yeah, they're yeah, mentioned. Piquot. Alex is mentioned in the state magazine, Minnesota uh, Golf Magazine. Minnesota Golfer just came out with ones to watch, and then the 2022 20, high school season. And Pequot was mentioned, I think, on on the boys' side and the girls' side, and Alexandria, of course. So. Guys, how does that work at state now? It's just say, I'm uh, Brainerd and Alex. Seem to be the the teams in the conference on the girls' side of things. It's it's one team, and then the next ten players. Is that correct for going to the
2: state tournament? Next six players.
0: Six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and I've seen where you could have a team go, and then the next five guys are all from the the second place team. I mean, it's that close. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's on, unf- you know. There's three classes in golf. There's a class three A, one A, two A. So I mean, there's ample opportunities for these teams to go, but it, it's almost like they need to expand the field and, and get some more teams in there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Jeremy, you know, I've always it's it's been interesting to me, and I guess it's in in any sport. But you know, if you look at well, like the the Alex girls and the Brainerd girls last year, really the two of the top teams in the in the state and you, know, you can only get you know one one team to go uh you know if you look at a couple of years ago edina and um uh oh i can't remember if it was minicata or not minicata but uh uh eden prairie or Y one one of the two uh, those two boys teams were by far the best in the state they can only you know only a edina could go. They won by a couple sh- The sections by a couple shots. It almost seems like you need to have a at-large type team for you know, some of those standout teams where a couple teams from around the state, if they don't get out of sections, they should still be able to compete for the state title. Ever any talk of that?
2: I haven't heard any talk. Um, I know for in Swimming and in Track, they do a, a state true team meet, which is through the Coaches Association. It's not through the Minnesota State High School League. And what they do is they'll take the, the, the eight-section champions. There's eight sections in Minnesota. So they'll take the eight-section champions, and then they'll have two at-large bids. And so they'll take the section event, and then they'll put the times all together with all the other sections. And then they'll take the next top two top two teams, and they'll go to state as well. So there is a formula to do what you just said, um, to, to maybe get an at-large team to go. Um, with golf it's kind of hard because you're not playing the same golf course um so you'd have right. to you'd have to throw in some maybe some algorithm or math equation to do the slope and rating of golf courses but uh yeah. but golf uh, it might be a little hard because it's not all the same not all the same golf courses not all the same conditions um so but yeah it's it hasn't been talked about but i'm sure every second place coach has thought about it all <laughs> <laughs> right exactly <laughs> Well, Jeremy,
0: we'll uh, maybe have you on again as we get toward uh, playoff time and see how everybody, uh, everybody kind of comes out during the course of the season. Uh, it's going to be exciting. A lot of great players in the area, boys and girls. So, and uh, like you guys say, getting better and better. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. It's always, it's always fun to talk golf with you guys. Great writer for the Brainerd Dispatch. Uh, check out the golf articles and all his sports articles. He's uh, about to get real busy if the weather breaks. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, uh, streaming at Lakes, Woods, and Irons, and also find us on Podcast One at Lakes, Woods, and Irons, brought to you in part by Emily Greens, home to the largest green in the world, and by SCR Northern, the guys and gals who answer the phone 24-7, the ones with Old Man Winter, on the trucks. Chris, very special guest. We've had him on before. Good friend of the show, so I'll let you handle the introductions.
1: Yeah, I want to welcome back to the show my good friend and a great friend of the show, like you mentioned, Peter Sanders. Peter is the uh, founder and developer of Shot by Shot, which is one of the best uh, uh, game analysis tools out there. So, Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure. Peter, it's uh, boy, we're, we're we're off to a great uh, TGA Tour season, a lot of excitement uh, with the Masters last week, and great to see uh, Jordan Spieth back in the winner's circle this this last weekend at Heritage. And, um, let, let's talk a little bit first about uh, Scotty Scheffler and what, what, is, what he's doing so well this year. I mean, he's, he's won four times in the last six tournaments and you know played incredible at the Masters. What what, uh, what do you see in Scotty's game that separates himself from everybody else?
3: Yeah, I haven't done any um, you know in-depth uh, strokes gained analysis on on his facets, but I've watched all of it with with great interest, and he is doing everything well. He's he's long and accurate off the tee. His approach game is gosh, it's it's so accurate. And his distance control, especially at the Masters, I thought was the best I'd ever seen. And his short game is tremendous, and he putts great. I, I, I think he'll continue to win. Like most people, like you know Jordan did when he, he had a flurry, and a lot of people other than Tiger. I have a feeling that um, Schefter, Scheffler will cool off a bit, but I think there's uh, the fundamentals there are going to
1: serve him well for a long time. Yeah, you know, the, the, one of the things that, that amazed, amazed me at the Masters, Peter, was, was his, his short putting, and uh, especially on, like, Thursday and Friday were so windy, and um, those greens have so much slope, and those short putts when you get the wind and the amount of slope, and he, he, he just seemed to make every, you know, five to ten foot putt, putt that he had.
3: Yeah, you see, they showed a lot of his uh, putting practice routine one of the days. And I think it was the Saturday before the round, and he had a you know a little implement down there. It's a mirror, and the ball fits into a slot. And he was putting what I would, thought were six to seven foot putts. You know, if it's if it's, if it's six feet, it's about a you know eighty percent make, seventy five percent make. Distance, uh, but um, he made just over and over again the same putt. He hit it over and over and over again, going through his full pre-shot routine, um, and made every one of them. Just made them the perfect speed. They just you know toppled over the edge. Then he moved and did the same thing without the implement, without the
1: you know the device. And uh, yeah. I
3: was I was I was very impressed by
1: that. Yeah, he's he's impressive, and he's on quite a run. It, uh, let's let's talk, Peter, about uh, uh, this week the Heritage, and and was great. It's great to see Jordan Spieth back in the winner's circle. He uh, he he's he's his ball striking over the past you know couple of years has has maintained and been very good, but he he seems to have struggled with the, with the putting.
3: Yes, uh, very much so. He won in, in spite of his putting. I was I was looking at and you know you and I talked a lot and I'm a I'm a uh, Jordan stalker I, I <laughs> like everything about him I like the way he carries himself I like the way he always has a smile no matter what happens his his unusually close relationship with his caddy Michael Mcgreller and I would give anything to follow them around and listen to their conversations and their and their approach to to each shot it, i think we could all learn a lot from it but it's it's such a positive interchange um anyway um so i, I looked at, i looked a little bit and you know after he missed it, i bet on him We but betting's legal in in uh connecticut now and uh, my my son-in-law and i have a syndicate we we bet fifty dollars a week on <laughs> golf <laughs> I love it, and we're and we're doing pretty well. Um, and but anyway, uh, so I bet on him. Didn't bet on him for the Masters because his putting is hurting him. And where do you need better putting than at the Masters? And of course he missed cut. Sure. But so I I looked at his I looked at his game and what he did. Tee to green, and in, in, um, Harbortown he was ranked number one, and that's. You know that's everything but putting. And in in putting, he was 60th, and he had a negative 0.64 strokes gained lost to the field each round. Um, I've only seen a couple of people players win on tour
1: when they had a negative strokes gained putting. One of them so was Roy McIlroy. If, if he was 60th in putting, how many how many players made the cut last week? Like 68 uh, players, right? It, it, yeah, something like that. So, so that means he was dead last in putting last week. <laughs> yeah. <There>. yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. You
3: know, yeah, it, it's it's unbelievable, and yet he he mustered the the courage and everything it took to make that last putt on the 18th green to to uh, get to where uh, to get to 13 under. And ultimately win. So he he was positive one plus every part of the game off the tee, the approach shot, and around the greens, and minus 0. .6 per round uh, in in putting, which is which is crazy. In his he's played nine events this year, five of them have been negative stroke game putting, and not by a little wow. bit, by a lot. You know, minus wow. 2.3 per round, minus 1.8 per round, minus 1.1 per round. And his ones where he's positive strokes gained are little numbers. So he's he's struggling with his putting. You know, he's been through a couple of uh, slumps, and I think you and I have talked about it. The first one was when he, he wanted to hit the ball further, and he changed his swing from from hanging on and not, you know, not releasing the his, his wrists and hands. Which created a two way miss, which he struggled for a couple of years with that, and now he's he's got that, and now it's now it's putting
1: yeah, that's interesting i mean the the, the the talent he has is unbelievable because of you know his he's struggled at a couple of different ends of the spectrum, but i mean when he when he struggled it's he struggled big it's not like he's just mediocre he's terrible at those yeah. in those categories,
3: but he always seems to so, bounce back and it never really seems to get to him. And just while well I think of it, what do you think of his pre-shot routine? Was full swing?
1: You know, I, I it, it, it's odd, um, but I think it's you know it, it's giving him the feel that he, he you know over the past couple of years he was so much underneath it uh, in the downswing and his in his path was so much from in to out or rightward that I. I I think not not having talked to Cameron McCormick all, but I think he's just trying to create a you know a, a much more leftward feel, and mm. um, it's extreme though. I mean, it, it, you know, it's kind of if you, if you watch Alex Alec Norin's pre-shot routine, where he uh, you know he drops way down and the club he flattens the club way from underneath. It's almost just the opposite of what Alex Norin does in his pre-shot routine. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's. It's it's fascinating, and it, it kind of reminds me of Corey Pavin back in uh, back in the 90s when he won the U.S. Open, and he, he had a very similar practice swing. Well,
3: I have been working on it. No, no I haven't. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was so intrigued by it, and, you're, and I know it, it is doing something for him, but I can't say in the last couple of years I've seen him hit the ball better and more relaxed he's also longer he he averaged in uh at harbortown 294 yards which was 44th off the tee and he is averaging 306 this year on tour which is 37 so he has picked up distance and is able to keep it in play which yeah i'd uh i I'm, think i'm gonna
0: I, start i've never been able to master, to master that, that combination peter
1: <laughs> yeah me either, Colin. <laughs> Peter, you know uh, we're we're talking about strokes gained here, and for for those of us, for our listeners who don't uh, don't know what strokes gained is. can you just give us a brief uh, overview of of what strokes gained is in the different areas and how it's uh, how it's figured?
3: Yeah, it's a um, it's where you assign a value of either uh, saving? part of a stroke or losing part of a stroke that's gaining or losing uh to each shot in the game and it's because there is a model of uh how the game is played and in shot by shot it's a model of the scratch player and every position and distance on the golf course has a a down in what i call a down in value for instance the the down in value from 100 50 yards in the in the um, in the fairway for the scratch player is 3.0. In other words, the scratch player will average three shots to get into the hole, and and so if 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 you or I are in in the uh, you know in 150 to the hole, and we we hit a, a really good shot and we get it to eight feet, which which is a 50% make. Uh, or the value is 1.5 we've hit it from 3.0 to 1.5 and that me that the difference there is 1.5 but we use a shot to get there so it saves half a shot sure every shot is calibrated on that or calculated on that but does that do you think that's simple enough or
1: yeah yeah it, so, yeah, so we can we can measure a player's performance in each of those areas based on uh if they've lost or gained strokes in relationship to the field in the tour event, and then if you use a you know if you use shot by shot, you can get those same measurements.
3: Yes, you get the same measurements it's it's against a scratch golfer, and then people say, well, if I'm being compared to a scratch golfer, I'm a 15 handicap that's that's fine we calculate the raw data on each facet of your game what you're gaining and losing to bar on average. Um, but then we compare it to your target handicap, which would be very close to you. If 15 handicap. You, you maybe pick 11 to 14. And so you the, the, then your, your relative handicaps and your number one in, improvement priority would be based on where you are relative to your target not a scratch player and then when you get better and you achieve that target you pick a new target and you start the
1: process all over again sure and it's uh it's definitely a way to to one to measure your strengths and weaknesses but i I think that the most important thing is that it's a way to to have measured practice and uh and where you can really focus your practice the the areas that you're working on and practicing your game so you can truly improve
3: yeah, if somebody can identify what it is that's costing them the most strokes on average when they play, then they can devote their efforts to that. Lessons, practice, however they improve. And when you really work hard on one thing, um, you will improve quicker.
0: You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ, our interview with Peter Sanders from Shot by Shot. We're back with more after this. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley, thirteen eighty K L I Z the fan. Also find us at Podcast One at Lakes Woods and Irons. Thanks in part to our sponsor, Holiday Station Stores on Mill Avenue and in Cross Lake. And also SCR Northern. They're the guys and gals who answer their phones twenty-four-seven. Now back to our interview with Peter Sanders from Shot by Shot.
1: So you know, along that line, Peter, we're just uh, we're just getting opened here in the state of Minnesota, the golf season and Um, as people go into the season here and want to get better this season, what, uh, what areas do you feel like they need to work on or how do they identify what they should be working on?
3: Well, um, you know, of course they can, they can subscribe to shot by shot and they can, they can get a one round free trial so that they don't, they don't subscribe without knowing what's involved, what they have to record and what they get for it. And I'm proud to say that over 74% of the people that that try our free trial purchase the purchase a subscription. But so that's one way. But uh, you know, I think people, you know, most people have a general idea of what they think they they don't work on. And but I I am I'm a big fan of you know warming up before uh, thoroughly before practice or playing to avoid. You know, those torn rotator cuffs, those, you know, uh, ruptured Achilles and all that. And then always practice with a purpose. So, you know, go out there saying, I'm going to practice this today. Approach shots, 150 yards to 175 if that's your weakness or sand game. And and then you set yourself up to pick a target, pick a shot, go through your pre-shot routine, execute it keep score in some ways uh i developed for myself lots of little scoring games with everything from the sand to driving and um and then then and then you can can really see how you're doing are you improving if you just stand on the range and hit the same shot over and over again i guarantee you'll improve that shot that day
1: <laughs> but i don't think you'll improve your game yeah, I always I always joke with people, Peter. I, I ask them if if they're practicing or they're exercising, and yeah, uh, yeah. I think most people most people go to the range and exercise, and not practice. And, you know, yeah. Peter. Along that line of hidden, you know, let's say drivers, so w- can you share with us a, a, a game or two that you that you like to use in your practice to to kind of have that, <laughs> yeah, like I, measured I, practice? I was
3: yeah, I was lucky enough to uh, get to go to some some uh, really nice high-end member guests uh, over the years. And so before the week, say two weeks before, I would go up and I would play the course from the, with long game. I would visualize the the tee shot on the first hole and I'd pick a target and I'd pick the type of shot in, in the course that I'm thinking about. I, I, did the, I had to hit a cut off the first tee, but I had to hit a driver and I had to hit it well and so I'd hit that and if I if it was good I'd say okay that's that's one then I'd hit the approach shot if it was good okay that that's another now I get a point I get a par for that hole if I got three pars in a row where I didn't miss uh, either the the drive or the approach I would I would call it a birdie and I'd be one under if I missed one of the shots it was a bogey and so I'd keep score and lo and behold, when I got to the first tee the most intimidating course and event you know I ever had the honor to play in, I wasn't
1: nervous. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, that's great. You know, with with, uh, uh, with Google Earth, you can search a golf course and uh, you can get you can look at different holes and get the measurements on those holes. And uh, we use that a lot with uh, with our tournament players to to help them do just what you're saying and, and, you know, kind of play practice rounds virtually, so to speak. I
3: developed a short game of, you know, skills torture.
1: Um, but when
3: I joined my club, I had never played a course that had gaping, deep, nasty bunkers with snakes in them on every green. And I was scared to death. I could hit the ball, but I had no idea what a sand shot was, and, you know, I don't even think I had a real sandwich, and so I got the pro to give me a lesson in the sand, and then I developed it, where I would throw five balls, in, and we had this great practice trap uh, green with, with four traps around it that were all really different, and I'd throw five balls in one of the traps, and then I'd pick green light, red light shots that, that uh, you know if it's a really really hard shot it would be a good shot for me just to get it on the green if it was a, if it was an easy one I was trying to get it closer hold it. and I would stay there and do that until I hit good shots in a row
1: and sometimes it was dark <laughs> Peter I I I've stolen a lot of your your putting drills and games uh share with us a your pa- your favorite putting drill that uh, yeah. Uh, you know, so well, my this favorite. Is,
3: when, when... Yeah, my favorite is the uh, star drill
1: that's on the website,
3: and uh, people can people can see it, um, and it's you know, put five balls around a hole on a slight grade. Uh, you don't want anything crazy, and uh, so you have, you know, a right to left, left to right, and uphill, downhill, and and all that. And then I'd start with three feet, and I'd. Go through my pre-shot routine on each one, and I and I work three feet until I could make ten in a row, and then I move to four feet, and and I do do the same thing, and I it helped me become a very uh, proficient and, and uh, competitive short putter, which is you know these three, four, five, six footers are extremely important, and then for for uh, lag drills, I'd put two tees. Uh, I put a tee, uh, tee down, and then ten, twenty, and thirty feet, and I'd take three balls and I'd lag, the one like the like the, then I'd turn around and do it the other way, and I'd stay there until I could get every ball, you know, eight to ten inches
1: past the tee,
3: um, and and do it, you know, ten in a row.
1: Yeah, those are all those are all great drills, and especially as we get going in the season here to to get that feel back and practicing rather than exercising now
3: do you give your your uh, students drills to do you must
1: yes i i, I definitely do and uh, a big part of our instruction is just h- helping people how to practice and uh i think most most people don't have a have an understanding of you know they, they just go to the range and, and hit balls and, uh you know they they'll hit they got 50 balls in a bucket, and they may hit uh,
2: 25
1: seven irons and a few wedges, and, and 20 drivers or something. And we really try to get them one our students that use shot by shot. We develop very specific practice plans for them uh, based on you know their their strengths and weaknesses. And if they don't use shot by shot, just you know teaching them how to you know the areas of the game. To focus on and spending a certain amount of time on, you know, if we're working on a swing change, a certain amount of time working on, on the swing, but spending a large percentage of the time, um, you know, putting yourself under more prat, more pressure, and and right. uh, things that more simulate the golf course. Yeah,
3: you have players that don't use shot pressure?
1: <laughs> I know, and it's hard. That's hard to imagine, isn't it, Peter? <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, the worst the worst thing when you're getting a lesson from Chris, Peter, is if you hit one of the first two good, the end of the lesson is just do that every time.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. My uh my old pro used to say, Do it like this and he would stand up and I'd be watching him and I'd say, Billy, do you need me to tee t- t- your balls up for you too?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, Peter, that's great stuff, and uh, we always appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your knowledge, and uh, I want to have you back soon and talk a little more about Jordan Spieth and uh, and some of the analysis he's done on his game, because he's a fascinating study. I'd be glad to do it, and uh, it'll be fun.
0: Peter, thanks for joining us. Uh, it was great as always.
3: Thanks, Colin. Thanks, thanks Chris. Always always. Thank you, pleasure. Peter. You've been Bye-bye. listening
0: to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.